Welcome to the Bellevue Ministerial Assistant Leadership Podcast. My name is Jamie Otto, and this is Jason Pyron. Hello, everybody. And we both serve here on staff at Bellevue and work specifically with our ministerial assistants at our internship program that's designed to raise up and send out prepared ministry leaders. Yeah, and today we're really excited. We're going to be talking all things team with our special guest, Jeff Struker. Jeff is a former U.S. Army Ranger who fought in the Battle of Mogadishu and what a lot of people refer to now as the Black Hawk Down incident, along with 13 other tours of duty as well. In his service to the country, among other things, you can just hear Jeff's story. He displayed an incredible amount of both courage, but also care and responsibility for those around him, for his fellow soldiers, his team. So you're going to enjoy this conversation with Jeff. And we're also joined by one of our MAs, Jordan Bowman, who works in our recreation ministry and whose dad is an Army chaplain that serves at Arlington National Cemetery, correct? Yes, sir. In that area. So we are very excited about this conversation. Jeff, you have just spent two days with our staff and now with our MAs, and we just wanted to continue this conversation about team. One of the things that you said in talking with our MAs was that there were some things that the Army did really well that the church could learn from watching the Army. So tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, I got a long list here, but I'll go to, to the top of the list. I think one of the things the Army really did is prepare guys and gals for the next level. Mm -hmm. And they did it almost on day one to say, hey, we're going to expect everybody to lead. We're going to help you learn how to lead and to be a better leader. So if you already showed up a leader, we're going to make you a better leader. Mm -hmm. If you didn't show up a leader, we're going to turn you into a leader. And then as you go along in your military career, we're going to make you into a better leader. And I wish every church, I'm glad to see Bellevue does, mm -hmm. but unfortunately, not every church takes leading and preparing the next level of leaders that seriously. Mm -hmm. Something that I think the Army did really, really well, and I'm proud to see here at Bellevue yeah. and think a lot of other churches can learn from this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's neat. You know, as we've talked about this, yes, the military is a different organization than the church. But one of the things that you said was leadership is leadership is leadership. Mm -hmm. Talk a little bit more about that as well. Yeah, I talk about leading in different organizations as using a different muscle, but it's still leadership, which means the principles apply, and they don't really change from one one type of industry or organization to another. So in theory, the guy or the gal that can lead well in business would be able to lead well in the military and lead well in the church. And I've seen that practically play out time and time again. Hmm. That also means that some people that rely on just one tool to lead when that tool is taken away from you and you go to another organization and that tool is not nearly as important, then you're not as capable mm -hmm. of leading. Mm -hmm. So have a tool bag with a lot of different tools in there is yeah. what I That's kind right. of recommend. That's yeah. right. Good. Yeah. Good. Lots of good things about team, Jamie. What you got? Definitely. So I, I loved what we talked about today, Jeff, in terms of you talked about suffering, the concept of shared suffering that really leads to shared comfort, that leads to an unshaken hope coming from 2 Corinthians 1. And kind of towards the end of the conversation, you talked about the in the concept of the iron foundry, you'll either run towards people or run away from people. You noted that you need to kind of observe, is the team coming together or coming apart in the moment of difficulties? What would you say to those who maybe are in the midst of observing that, that the team maybe is coming apart or is coming together? What, what would you what would you tell them? Um, yeah, I'm fascinated by human nature. So kind of at my core, I'm a sociologist, and I wonder why do people do what they do when they do it? Mm -hmm. And one of the things that will really bring human nature out is suffering and mm -hmm. pain. 
everybody, when it starts to hurt, they want to make the pain stop. So it's natural to run away from the pain. It's just fascinating to me that the scriptures say over and over and over again, it is through the patience of endurance mm -hmm. that God develops character. It's through suffering that he can create this kind of hope. And so the challenge here is people will naturally want to run for the exit signs when it hurts. And sometimes running from the exit signs can be the worst thing that you can do because perhaps God has brought this difficult circumstance to grow you yeah. in a way that nothing else can grow you. So if you were to run away, you're literally running away from what God is trying to build in you. The challenge as a leader is, well, how do you tell people that are hurting, don't go to the exits, stay and hurt and hurt together? And I think there's the answer. The answer yeah. is we do this together mm -hmm. and I'm going to hurt with you and I need you to hurt with each other. It hurts right now. We all hurt. We're hurting together. And I believe if we hurt together well, God will grow us in ways that will, you know, we'll see the fruits of this after it's over with. But don't run for the exits just because it hurts. Yeah, that's really good. I guess a follow-up question. So we often talk to our ministerial assistants about the concept of how to lead when you're not in charge. So do you think this looks different from the perspective of somebody who, quote-unquote, would be in charge versus somebody who is kind of bearing that suffering, not from a position of being, quote-unquote, in charge? Yeah, this is a great challenge. And I think if you're a really good leader, you figure out how to do this. But leading from the second chair mm -hmm. is what it's often mm -hmm. referred to as. When you're not the first chair leader, and everybody's supposed to be looking to the first chair leader, but the first chair leader is not leading the way the first chair leader should lead. Mm -hmm. And now people are starting to look to the second chair. How do you honor the first chair right. yeah. and still honor the people that are looking to you right. now? And I think you always give the first chair every opportunity to lead, but there may be some times where you have to step up and rise to the occasion. And maybe that's just for a brief period. Maybe it's a point that this thing has showed that the first chair leaders doesn't have the skill set that we need going forward. They had the skills for a long period of time and up to this point, but maybe they're not the right person for chair going forward. Those are really, really hard things to do. But I do think if you care genuinely about the people that are looking to you for leadership, you'll figure out a way to lead well from the second chair without just trying to cut the first chair leader off and take their job. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, I can definitely appreciate that if you really care for the people that you're leading, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And, I, you know, there's so much we could talk about regarding that. But have you found that when you were in the military and your service there? And, of course, you're a pastor of a church and you're leading people there. But when you're in the military specifically, what did you do in those situations where you had a leader that maybe because they were burnt out or they were tired or overwhelmed, that you felt like they're not making the right decision. They're going to put us in danger or they're not going to help us accomplish our mission. How did you go about that from your seat? Yeah, I could share some really painful and mm -hmm. I think some big mistakes that I made early on and then lessons that I learned that helped me do that better along the way. But one of the things that kind of was built into me, and I learned this through training in the military, is we used to walk through the woods, through very dense jungles, very difficult woods over mountains, and usually the first guy walking was not the leader. The first guy walking was the one who kind of was given the direction and supposed to be aware of everything that's in front of them. The leader was the number two or number three or number four person. And your job was to observe everything. And we learned that by being the very first guy in the jungle, you're so overwhelmed by what's in front of you, you're not really aware of what's behind you. The guy that's in the middle 
can be aware of what's in front of them and next to them and behind them. So I learned how to lead from the second chair by being the guy in the middle and not necessarily being the first guy walking through the jungle. The first guy walking through the jungle needs a certain skill set, but the one in the middle needs a different skill set. And so quick story, when my family and I, we love to hike. When we go on hikes, sometimes I'll tell them, hey, why don't you guys go ahead and lead? I'll be in the back of the pack. And in the back of the pack, by the way, I can see the whole family. I can see what's behind us. And I'm actually still leading. I'm just leading now from the back of the pack. My sons or daughters that are in the front of the pack as we're walking down the trail, they kind of feel like they're, the, they're in <laughs> charge and they're leading. But actually, I'm still making sure that we're on track. I'm just doing it from the back of the pack now. And I think you can do that as a leader if you'll be really aware of what's going on around you. Hmm. That's great. That is a really good insight. And a lot of times what we think about when team is we go to, if we're not careful, what position we have on the team. And yeah, we think the position is if I'm leading, if I'm the one out in charge of the hike, out in front of the hike, when in reality, there's just as much value in the middle of the pack sometimes or in the, mm -hmm. in, in the back to see everything. So that's a great word. Now, Jordan, you are obviously valued here and what you do as an MA here at Bellevue, but you aren't in that seat that's making those decisions all the time, but still team is a big deal. So what are some things for you that kind of stick out or that you'd love to hear from Jeff a little bit more on? Sure. So the first question that I thought of was that, what would you tell other young people starting out or aspiring to be leaders, those that are less confident in how they lead or not sure about leadership? What would you say to somebody like that? And the second part of the question would be, how would you give advice to somebody that is wanting to be a leader, but they're having to lead people that are older than them? Because we know that in the military, a lot of times you have soldiers that have to lead other people mm -hmm. that are older than them. And also, you know, it's a big thing in military for being a leader. So what would you say to those two questions? Great questions, Jordan. First, I would say to the guy or gal who wants to be a better leader, but they kind of doubt themselves right now, get as much experience as you can, but experience alone doesn't make you a great leader. Sometimes bad experience makes you a bad leader if you handle it poorly. So I would also say relentlessly, insatiably read and learn and observe leaders. I think of leadership as kind of a two-edged sword. Experience is one edge of that sword and nothing can replicate experience. You can't read things in a book. You have to experience those things firsthand. But there's a lot that education can give you. That's the other edge of the sword. So I think for the person that's concerned, I don't know if I've got the skill set. Well, relentlessly pursue the education part, be insatiable about learning, because I think leaders never stop learning. And mm -hmm. if you stop learning, you've now taken the first step to stop leading. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, open yourself up to experiences that allow you to test the waters a little bit. Put your toe in the water, and if you like it, put your whole foot in the water. And if you like it, jump in head first. That's experience and education, first question. The second question specifically about the young guy who's leading some people that are maybe more experienced, it's actually not older that's the problem. What happens when they have vastly more experience than you do? And I think about Paul and Timothy, right? Paul said, Timothy, I'm sending you to start a church, and there's going to be some older dudes, some seasoned guys that know a lot more than you do, Timothy, but don't let them look down on you just because of your age, because with age often comes experiences, and sometimes it becomes wisdom, but it doesn't always make them more capable than you. There are some young guys and gals that are far more ready to lead than people that are twice their age. I heard Peyton Manning say this, true story. I heard him say it personally. He said, my very first pro football game, 
I was so nervous. I go into the game. I'm just out of college. I'm coming into the huddle. I'm so freaked out about what I'm supposed to do because I know as the quarterback, everybody in the offense is looking to me and I'm trying to impress them and I'm fumbling through the play. And then Peyton Manning said, one of those seasoned linemen just looks at me and says, you're the leader, call the play and mm. we're gonna go execute it. And Peyton <laughs> Manning said, that's exactly what I needed to hear. Mm. I'm the leader, I'm gonna call a play, we're all gonna run it. Mm. So I called the play and we all ran it. And Peyton Manning was saying, I'm a brand new kid on this pro football team and everybody has tons more experience. Let's go run a play. And the seasoned guy needed to tell him, hey, kid, tell us what play we're going to run and we're all going to run it. That's right. Uh, that's good. That's good. And I think yeah. it's a good reminder to the other folks that maybe are listening to this that are not in maze. A good part of that story is the fact that the seasoned guy was willing to say, yeah. you're our leader and to yeah. acknowledge that and to not worry about age or experience. But hey, the Lord's put you here. In our case, the Lord has put you here. So we're going to trust you to do this. We're here. We're ready to follow. Right. So. Yeah, I think one of my favorite parts, if we're really not to let anybody look down on us because we're young, the rest of it says, but set the believers an example mm -hmm. in speech and conduct and mm -hmm. love and faith and purity. And I think that has been maybe one of the most like challenging lessons at times, even for me as a young leader. If there's anything that I'm called to, it's that. It's to set the believers an example. And if that's really true, then it doesn't matter what their age is. It doesn't matter their experience. That's God's call for me is to set the believers an example. I think that even goes back to a lot of what you were saying as well. Yeah, yeah, that's a good word. And when you're doing that, when everybody is doing that, right? what an incredible team. Yeah. Because you're checking so many of your selfish things at the door and it's not about you. You're putting your arrogance aside. and But at the same time, you have an example to make and, and one that's worth following mm -hmm. for sure. So I know <laughs> military is a good analogy for like a lot of things in ministry, but uh, like you spoke about how in the military where you have a lot of people that are sinners or people that are pagan in the military, in terms of a team, what is the best way to deal with somebody that's difficult on a team in terms of maybe having a difficult personality or, or whatever it may be? What is the best way to deal with that? Yeah, you guys are going to laugh at this answer, <laughs> but I think you do it exactly like Jesus did, right? He's got Matthew, the tax collector, and he's got Simon, the zealot, and he's got James and John who want to call down the thunder of God on the Jews that don't do what they think they're supposed to do. And then he's got Judas on his team, who is just not part of the team, even though Jesus brought him on the team for a very specific reason. And I think you accept and maybe even embrace that people are different from you. They look at the world different from you. And because of that, they're going to be difficult to deal with sometimes because you look at the world one way, they look at the world another way. And sometimes it really feels like this is oil and water and we're not coming together right now. And that's natural because you see the world different than I do. And I think if we're going to be really good ministry leaders, you lead like Jesus, which means you have people around you that just don't see the world the same way you do, and you accept that, maybe even embrace it as difficult as it becomes. I've had the privilege of seeing military teams do that, where there's a lot of people that just don't think and don't act like you, but they all come together for the sake of the mission. For the sake of the mission, whatever it takes, we're going to figure out a way to work this thing out and accomplish it. Man. That's awesome. That that so translates into the church, into what we try here at Bellevue to do. It so translates, and you even said that about Lead Like Jesus. That's one of the things that we do here. We go through a book, Ken Blanchard book on mm -hmm. Lead Like Jesus, and we talk about the head, the hearts, the hands, and the habits of Jesus. 
And man, I just, I can't help but think of how that translates into being a soldier and all of these things that just goes together. So Jeff, thank you for taking some extra time to join us for sure. We appreciate that time and just want to encourage everybody to to continue to pursue what it means to be a team player and and to play your part on the team and, and use Jeff as an example in that for sure. We hope you enjoyed this conversation. I so agree with Jason, the gift that it has been to have Jeff here and talk about teams specifically. So we want to encourage you to tune in next week as we continue the discussion on the topic of team and specifically as we look towards what it means to be a team player. Thanks for joining us and we look forward to being back with you soon.